The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. As we have another episode, we take time in God's Word uh, to study and to hopefully be encouraged through it. Uh, If you're following along the scripture, we're in the book of Philippians, chapter number two. And we're going to pick up right where we left off yesterday, uh, referencing really what we're talking about is our position in our culture, our position in society, and why, what, what is it God desires from us. And so we'll see it really from the perspective of what God wants and, what, and ultimately how it results through a submissive heart. So let's go ahead and read some scripture, and we'll unpack it here in the next minute. We're going to go back. What I'm going to do is read the last verse we looked at yesterday. Let's actually go to 14, just for context, because it is still a, a continuing thought from where yesterday. Verse 14, he says this, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, and he explains why. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in a crooked and perverse nation, among whom he shines his lights in the world. And he talked about this, that a a mature person will find that they're not complaining, they're griping, their heart is one that is surrendered to God. Why? Because, well, they're not going to be harmless in a perverse world. The perverse world is looking for valid reasons to not want anything to do with God. Satan's trying to validate it, and many times in our... If I can say carnality or un- unwillingness to grow, we may, we may sometimes hurt the testimony of Christ and things we do. Well, he says why. At the end of this, he makes a comment that I think is intriguing. Um, he says at the end of verse um, 15, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, he says, holding forward to the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So he says in verse, the end of verse 15, among whom you shine is lights in the world. One of the things I want us to see in this verse is a simple principle that God is not putting out a possibility. He's not putting out a suggestion. He's not saying if, if you want to be a light in the world, well, then you've got a great opportunity. If that's what you think is your gift and that's what you want to do, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you are the people who I have put here to be a light in the world. You are a light in the world. Now, you can be a light in the world and you've done everything to hide your light. You can be a light in the world and you've done everything to well, make your light look bad. Uh, but you are a light. If you truly are saved and claim Christ, you are a light in the world. It's not an option. And that's the thing we have to look at. A lot of times, in, in, and it's a, it's a complicated thing, people come to what we call religion, Christianity with the idea of what can I get from it. I, personally, I wonder sometimes if, if that's the motive we come to Christ. I'm not really sure we understood salvation to begin with. If we've come with, I want, I want, I want, I want, and that's Christianity, solve my problems, we, we never, how, how can you do that? Did you really understand your sinful position? Did you really understand that you were a sinner and you needed a Savior? Or were you looking for a magical religious answer? See, when you come to Christ, you become a new creature, the Bible says. Old things are past, we all things are becoming new. You're becoming a new creature, growing in Christ. You're not perfect. You don't, you know, you don't, your sinful nature doesn't disappear, none of that, but you are growing and maturing. When God says, I have placed you as a light in this world, it is just the way it is. Are you being effective? And so again, this is not one of those, okay, only missionaries or lights or pastors or, you know, deacons or elders or whatever term you're using. Only people in certain positions are lights. And the rest of us, we just kind of sit back there and we support them. We'll put money in the offering plate. We'll do this or that to help them do what they're supposed to do. And that's not at all the intention here. He, Remember, Paul 
is in prison speaking to a church. He's not writing this to the pastor of the church. He's writing a letter to be read. What they would do is he would write the letter, it would be delivered to this church, and then it would be read before the church, for the congregation. So he is writing this to the members of the congregation of the church, not necessarily the members of the leadership of the church. You know, Sometimes we say, well, the pastors need this, then they teach. No, this is written to the average person in the church. And he says, ye are, I have asked you. You know, in, the, in those days, the Pharisees were real big on becoming isolated. They isolated themselves. As a matter of fact, they found a, a massive self-righteous spirituality in that. Instead of going out and influencing the world, they isolated themselves and they found themselves to be super spiritual because they're isolated from the world. And, and I know we use phrases like, come up from among them, be separate, say the Lord, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And I think there are things that in the world we make sure that should not become part of our life. That's a fact. But that doesn't necessarily say then we should be completely isolated. I, I get nervous sometimes that churches find the greatest spirituality when they can have the least amount of contact with the world. And I understand that to an extent, except this, we are the ones to influence. How can we influence something for which we'd have no contact? Well, if they come to church, we'll influence them. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We are, we are, we can, we are no good if we're not impacting, if we're not going out. And that's what he says, get into the world, be influenced in the world, be that impact, be that light. And that's what he's asking us in the end of that verse. And then he says in verse 16, kind of telling us how we do this. He says in verse 16, holding forth to the word of life, holding strong to the word of life. He's holding on. This is where you hold your strength. This is where your answers are, the word of God. And so simply what he's saying is it's not about me striving to become super spiritual. It's me getting in the word of God, reading the word of God, listening to it taught and preached. And then here's the important part, doing. James says, doers of the word, not hearers only. And we could talk a lot about doing the word of God is where success is promised in scripture. Knowledge of the word of God that does not provoke action is empty. The Bible says the knowledge puffs up. The more knowledge I have that doesn't compel me to action is actually hurtful. The knowledge should compel me to action. It should stir my heart to do something. And that's what he's saying here. I hold to the word of God because the word of God is, gives me the answers. What do I do here? How do I handle this? How do I respond? All of these things are necessary. That is the word of God. And I follow the word of God in that area. So I hold strong to the word of life. And this is what Paul says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So we see uh, this heart that God has for the people, their position they want, but then we see a little bit of the response of this preacher. He says, I want you to do this way that I may rejoice that I have not run in vain. Here's what he's saying. He, he traveled three missionary journeys. In one of those scenarios, he's planted this church in Philippi. So he's writing back and he's saying, I have given my life to this ministry. And he said, I hope that I watch you mature. You become that light that God designed you to be. You hold strong to the word of life, to the word of God, so that I can look back and say, my life is not wasted. I invested it into you, and I hope you will take what we've given you and grow with it. And I will say that one of the hardest things for a pastor or anybody who serves, whether you're Sunday, you know, Sunday school teacher, small group leader, things like that, is you invest your time in somebody and then, assume, you know, then all of a sudden they disappear and they want nothing to do. It, it does feel sometimes like it, you've emptied, like you've failed somewhere. Now, obviously the Lord is one that does that work, but there is something powerful about seeing somebody that you've mentored and all of a sudden they flourish and they turn around and mentor someone else. That's what our desire should be. Yes, I've been mentored to a position. Now it's my job to mentor someone else. Then I hope to train that person well enough so that they turn around and mentor someone else. And, and it just keeps going. That is the process of the church. We grow to maturity and we replace that. The, the preacher says, now I've not wasted my time. I've not, it's not been empty. I'll do it in obedience, but the fruit is what I'm hoping to see.
And then he says in verse 17, If I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of, of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. He says, if I end up, it's a submissive heart here, if I end up being sacrificed, being poured out on the altar, and he's talking about the fact that as I'm in jail, this might be the end. I might not get back out. I might not enjoy freedom. This very well may be the end of my life. And he says, if that's the way God has it, I'm okay with it because I've given. And if it means to stand true to God and to be a testimony to the churches, I will do that. I'm fine with that. And that's, that's what he's saying. We see the positions God's given us. We see the desire and heart of every Christian to grow. And then we see a submissive heart. We, we find joy, as we mentioned this sometimes, this, this chapter talks about joy robbers can be people. Uh, you know, Paul could have been discouraged because people were causing conflict in some churches. He could have been discouraged because maybe say, you know, I wish people were growing more. He, but in this case, he goes, I find joy because my life investments in people and I love to watch that flourish. And that's what we do. If, if our investment is in us and what we can get, we will be discouraged. If our investment is in Jesus Christ and his kingdom and the people uh, that he's asked us to reach, then I have fulfillment because my purpose is higher. And again, it looks back at the, the way we can overcome the joy robbers of people is simply to minister to people uh, and have a right expectation of it. And, and that's the key. Again, if I'm, if I'm looking at this from a selfish perspective, I will always be discouraged because we never ever get what we really want that if I'm doing it to invest my life into other people, into the kingdom of God, well, this completely changes everything. And may that be our greatest desires. And we see this at the end. Paul says, if this is the end, I'm okay with this. That submissive spirit, that is the heart that should drive us. Thanks again for joining us on this Wednesday morning, giving me the opportunity to be part of your day. I hope it's a help. And today's definitely a challenge that that would be our heart's desire to be submissive to God and be effective in ministering to others. We appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Hope you were encouraged by it. Hope it was a challenge to remind you that God is doing great things in your life. We hope you have a great rest of your day and hope you join us again tomorrow.